Zane Parekh and Sam Dickinson face off in Saginaw. We'll do an OHL focus on general for today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects-related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. And on today's episode, we'll do an OHL focus, starting off with a game between Sam Dickinson of the London Knights and Zane Parekh of the Saginaw Spirit. It was a very interesting game um, involving two of the best defensemen in the 2024 NHL draft, my tentative top two for the 2024 NHL draft. We'll compare how they played. We'll also talk about Michael Misa, who played in that game, a 2025 eligible, who was an exceptional status player in the OHL, meaning he was too good for the Ontario Junior Hockey League, so they brought him up. Um, and then in our second segment, we'll talk a bit about European transfers in the OHL. That includes Dalibor Dvorsky, who was recently transferred. We'll talk a tiny bit about Kasper Haltonen, um, Philip Meshar, and we'll end things off as well with R2 Karki, uh, a defenseman who's tearing it up right now as well um, in the OHL. And speaking of which, we'll end things off with um, pretty much the top OHL defensemen um, that are kind of performing well in the OHL right now. We'll talk a bit about Andrew Gibson of the um, Detroit Red Wings and a couple other prospects, including a defenseman uh, who was not picked in the top two rounds who's going two points per game right now in the OHL. So we'll talk about all of that in just a sec. Before we get into that, though, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. So, Sebastian, let's start things off with Parekh versus Dickinson. I mean, we've already given our thoughts on these two 2024s. Parekh is a uh, right-handed defenseman, above average size, but plays with a lot of fluidity, obviously, and all that good stuff. Uh, very creative. Dickinson is really fundamentally different. Uh, first, he's a left-handed defenseman. Uh, really big, really physically mature, but plays about as meat and potatoes a game as you can get on D. Um, first and foremost, what's your take on both of them heading into the season and um, just give me a refresher on if your opinions changed about the two since the start of the year, since we last talked about them maybe a month or two ago. Yeah, I mean, they're two very special players. And yeah. I, I think that both have already made very strong cases to be top 10 picks uh, at the 2024 NHL draft. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think my, my my view has changed too, too much since the season has started. But I, I have had like previous analyses kind of entrenched uh, by my viewings this season where yeah. uh, there are flashes of this like elite dynamism uh, for Zane Parekh at the Hlinka and last season and uh, this season it's at another level of consistency and and he's he's a lot more capable and dominating like the game on a shift to shift basis rather than just taking over a, a random shift here or there and uh, 
so that that's been great to see. And as for Sam Dickinson, he's playing a more offensive role with London, which was something that I was hoping to see this season. And uh, I know, like when we were talking about the Flinka, like one of your big concerns, reasonably with with Dickinson, was the lack of of offensive involvement and creativity, and even like proactivity in the offensive zone. And I think that's already been a bit better so far this season in the OHL for, sure. for him. Definitely still things to work on uh, in terms of the offensive game, but there's been more attempts at trying things and he's scoring a lot more points. He's playing more minutes. He's feeling more comfortable in those offensive situations where I'm starting to see him switch angles a lot more uh, consistently and really use his own movement to shift defensive structures. And he's being a lot more calculated with how he uses his own off puck movement to create offensively, even when he's not even touching the puck itself, which has been really nice to see. Uh, But you were the one who watched the game of these two players. So what specifically stood out in this game uh, where you had not only these two high-end draft eligibles go against each other, but two of the best and most entertaining teams in the OHL play against each other? 100%. It was a very fun game. Uh, It was 2-2 heading into the second period five six minutes into the third period it was five four for Saginaw it it was ridiculous I mean it it was a high-paced high-intensity game with a lot of really good players you know we're talking about Easton Cowan Denver Barkey uh Casper Haltonen had two goals in this game um a lot of very entertaining players on London but also um Saginaw has a lot of um individual players who can have standout performances that aren't necessarily consistent but They'll come out and have a really good performance out of nowhere. Nick Sima, who was a healthy scratch maybe three or four games ago, got a hat trick in this game. Um, very fun to watch both of these teams. But for me, what really stood out with Parekh and Dickinson is Parekh is so creative, so inventive, and so fluid on the puck. His ability to constantly choose the right passes to to execute and to open up those lanes with lookoffs and area passes and and hook passes and all these little kind of details in his passing arsenal is really impressive. But it, this game also made me appreciate a lot more the subtleties of Dickinson's passing game as well. Um, Dickinson, yes, he is that kind of meat and potatoes defense first defenseman who's able to shut down any player that comes against him. But there's also a very intricate element to a small area playmaking where he's able to, you know, make a pass on the backhand with two players on his back between a pair of skates and uh, it lands straight on his teammate's stick for an easy breakout. But he's also got a decent bomb of a long pass. He can saucer a pass cross ice to a player on the weak side, streaking up the neutral zone. And he'll hit him with accuracy and he'll set up his pass really well by pretending he's going to dump it in up the boards and then just shifting his weight completely and just bombing it to the side. So there are some details in Dickinson's passing game that have made me a bit more impressed. Um, but what Zane Parekh did in this game is just greatly shorten the gap between him and Dickinson. You know, I saw Dickinson as a top five prospect and Parekh as a bottom of the top 10. I probably put them back to back. Um, if I'm doing a, if, if I'm doing my rankings, you know, today, maybe things will change with more viewings, but so far it's Dickinson and Parekh back to back for me. And it's, it's been very impressive to watch them both in the same game. Cause you can see the differences in their game and you can see how both of them impact the game in different ways. Um, and this was an off game for Dickinson as well. He had some defensive lackings. He turned a puck over at the offensive blue line on at six on five, which led to Joey Willis just walking in, walking down 200 feet unchallenged uh, for an empty net goal. Um, but still, I mean, 
Dick, I've seen the best defensively of Dickinson. And in this game, I feel like I saw the best offensively in terms of playmaking from Dickinson. So, um, you know, if you can put two of those performances together in one game, uh, I mean, he's, he'd be ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this this was a great game to kind of showcase the differences between them. And I was really glad I was able to catch this game because, like I said, Perek really shortened the gap for me. And I know you lean Perek, and I can definitely understand that. I just see so much potential in Dickinson and so much current safety in his projection yeah. that like, I feel like he definitely doesn't have the upside of a Perak, right? It's difficult with upside because yeah. how are you going to quantify it? Right. And in terms of who's going to, sc- going to score more NHL points, it's going to be Zane Perak. Who's going to play more NHL games and minutes, probably going to be Dickinson. And like, yeah, I think Dickinson has a really high likelihood of playing a really important role for a very good team for a really yeah. long time. And with Zane Perek, I think he could be that quarterback from the blue line inside that top four, likely on a top pairing for also a really long time. But that role is a bit more, well, there's less safety in that role, like continuing and staying to be as, important to the game as it is in today's nhl because these players are going to have like decade and a half long careers the nhl is also going to shift with time and and i I sense it's shifting towards the style of play that that zane correct plays and i think that's one of the reasons that i feel comfortable like hyping him up a bit uh but it's still very early season rankings and uh while i do have correct slightly ahead of uh of Sam Dickinson on my tentative board, both are inside of my top five, and uh, that could definitely switch by the by the time my first rankings come around. Because it's also a bit of a, of a philosophical debate between the two, right? Like we yeah. saw it last year with Simashev and Sandy Palika. We see it every year: the the steady, smooth skating big defenseman versus the undersized offensive dynamo. And mm-hmm. uh, I think this year is a year where the offensive dynamo might actually beat out. Uh, the steady, calm defensive presence on my personal board, whereas last year, Simashev edged out uh, Sandin Pelika. So we'll, we'll yeah. see how the, the year progresses, but Perek just has a level of dynamism that I haven't seen in a defensive prospect since, what, Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, right? Like, it's, it's been a while uh, since, since, since we've seen a defenseman this dynamic. And mm-hmm. you throw Lane Hudson's name in there, but Perek is such a standout skater by comparison that I don't yeah. think that at the same age they're really comparable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, these are two very special defensemen, and I know that the two of us are going to have a lot of fun not only watching these two for the entire year, but continuing this ebb and flow debate because I do think that uh, these two guys are going to flip for flip-flop not flip-flop uh on our boards a couple times over the course of the season because as you said they are pretty close together and because they play such different styles it's pretty easy to kind of switch them around every once in a while uh in rankings but uh yeah we'll see how it goes absolutely we'll keep an eye a close eye on both of them uh but now we'll be moving on to our second segment where we'll talk about european ohl transfers including dalbertovorsky philip meshar um uh, kasper halton and, and art to karki we'll get right into that after these messages here at locked on nhl prospects passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks to exhaust kits and LED headlights and far more, 
whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts uh, for your car, you will always find exactly what you are looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, which is only available to U.S. customers, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, uh, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Uh, keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Alrighty, so moving on to our second segment, we'll be talking about some European OHL transfers, uh, prospects who came over from Europe and are playing uh, OHL minutes and doing quite well. We'll start off with Dalbor Dvorsky because he's off to a decent start um, so far, uh, and it's, it's been quite impressive to watch him go about it. Um, talk me through what you've seen from Dvorsky so far since getting transferred and um, what we can expect from him points range-wise this year in the OHL and how that differs from his experience with Oscar Sham in the SHL. Yeah, I, I think it was a good call to <laughs> for him to switch something up because for sure. uh, not only was he not producing, but he, was, he wasn't even playing, really. He was only, only locking a couple minutes a night over the last couple games. And uh, I think that Sudbury uh, kind of got this massive gift uh, from that situation. And uh, he he's looking good in the OHL. Like, again, this is a professional hockey player. And whenever you see players go from pro leagues to junior leagues, uh, you, you see them dominate in ways that don't always correlate to the score sheet. But... Right just in terms of the professional habits they have and the physicality and the pace, the overall pace of play, yeah. it, it's night and day. And we saw it last year with Samuel Honzek. We saw it last year a little bit with Philip Meshar, who despite not putting up that many points was playing a very non-OHL style in the OHL. Yeah. And uh, this year, I think we're going to see the same thing with Dalibor Dvorsky. Uh, mm -hmm. On top of that, uh, he, he just got slotted in directly onto the top line playing with Quentin Musty of all players. And uh, those two are going to be so much fun to watch this season. Two very, very different styles of players, but I yeah. think they're very complementary. And I'm really curious to see what they're able to do together because mm -hmm. Quentin Musty has the outright creativity. He has the power. He has the skill. He has the handling and the playmaking and the finishing ability. He has all of these high-end tools. And again, the creativity there, I think, is the crux of the important part. Whereas yeah. Dvorsky brings this meat and potatoes, simple style of hockey where he's going to get the defensive plays down pat. He's playing the center role, of course, uh, <laughs> which means that the defensive play on that top line is really going to be shored up a decent amount. And he's quite solid in uh, in, in those, um, like, one touch plays in transition to quickly break the puck back out. So him and Musty are already combining on that to quickly bring the puck from the defensive zone into the offensive zone and into scoring positions with both players being capable scoring threats. Uh, Dalbert Dvorsky is going to have to uh, work on his playmaking game a little bit this year, because when you have a, a shot like Quest, like Quentin Musty's available to you on your line, you have to use it. Yeah. And I think that playing together this season will, will do a lot of good for both of these players, because I think they have a lot to learn from each other. 
a little bit like the Lane Hudson, Tom Belander potential pairing this season at Boston University. I think yeah. that Quentin Musty and Dalibor Dvorsky are really complementary in that Musty can learn from Dvorsky's defensive game and uh, his quick one-touch plays in transition and the pace of decision-making, whereas Dvorsky will be able to learn a little bit from the creativity and the overall flair that Quentin Musty has in the game, yeah. and also when to use the physical tools to, per to perhaps rush the net and, and drive to the slot, which Musty mm -hmm. does a lot more effectively than Dvorsky at this point. So... Uh, I think that Dvorsky transferring over is uh, great, and I can't wait to watch them live in Ottawa. 100%. I mean, you you, you look at Dalibor Dvorsky as the type of player who's very often going to use a shooting threat. Um, he's the type of player who rarely doesn't default to um, taking a one-timer on net when he gets the puck yeah. at, at the half wall. I mean, that's just something he loves to do. Um, and I feel like it would be very good for him to work with Quentin Musty because Quentin Musty is not only good at finding him in those spots, but also really good at making it very clear that he's in he's in a good position to take a shot. So Dvorsky is going to have to um, he's going to have to suppress the the shooting gene uh, from time yeah. to time and kind of get get him the talk a bit more. I feel like that's going to be a very interesting combination. But moving on to Philip Meshar, who is back in the OHL. Um, he was playing in uh, Slovakia in his draft year, uh, got drafted by the Canadians. Um, they sent him right to Kitchener. Um, Kitchener struggled really very much last year. Um, they had a coaching change. The team was performing exceptionally poorly. Uh, but this year they were on a tear and now they get to add Philip Meshar. But what was interesting to me is Philip Meshar played really well in this two game kind of sample with uh, the Laval Rocket in the AHL. Uh, I was a bit surprised to see him sent down, but at the same time, if he's not going to be playing regular minutes, just send him down. Um, it would have been great to have another option, like sending him to Slovakia or sending him to an overseas league that has a um, has an international spot available to them uh, in terms of roster spots who could absorb him. I'm thinking of Rugla, for example, who could really use someone on their power play to distribute the puck a bit better because their power play is struggling as well. I mean, there were a lot of options, but at the end of the day, I'm not really necessarily opposed to this idea. I just feel like Meshar's game is already, you know, his game's already refined in terms of the habits, in terms of the performance, in terms of playmaking ability, uh, the ability to get involved defensively, all that stuff. I mean, I, I'm not sure what he's going to learn with Kitchener, um, but what's for sure is he's got a great situation where he can gain confidence. Um, exactly. That's often yeah. what happens when you're playing above, above your level. Uh, below you know above your level exactly like if, if you're better than the rest of your your league in terms of your habits in terms of your fundamentals then the benefit of playing in the league where you're going to dominate is you're going to get like, confident with the puck and i feel like that's going to benefit meshar a lot um i would be very interested to see how meshar develops in kitchener how his game changes since last year um he wasn't necessarily playing poorly as much as he just he hadn't gotten used to it and was still kind of a adapting to it but i feel like his stint in the ahl showed that he has gotten adapted to the shorter ice to less reaction time to a bit more chaos a bit less chess um and i feel like that's going to be very interesting to see develop uh, i also want to talk a bit about casper haltonen uh he scored two goals in the game uh, against saginaw and it's very clear how good of a scorer he is and how willing he is to shoot the puck i don't think anything's changed on that side um but he's also gotten really good at distributing the puck at moving you know playing give and goes moving into space the small things that i wanted to see kind of improve in his game have come a bit of a way um but the main thing for me is i want to continue to see him hit the hit the sweet spot between, between passing and shooting that's one thing he still needs to improve and to end things off a player who we're going to you know kind of develop on a bit more in our third segment is r2 karki 
um, a great transfer uh, to the Sioux Greenhounds, who has been absolutely tearing it up. He's a defenseman, and he's second in the OHL in, in goals scored right now, first in power play goals. Um, you saw him a couple of games ago, a couple mm-hmm. days ago. Talk me through that. Yeah, I watched him live yesterday, so I've got a, I got fresh eyes on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he looked very good. Uh, I think that the, his goal scoring is entirely coming from the power play. I believe seven or eight of his ten goals are from the power play. Yeah. Uh, and it's because he he is a very effective one-timer from uh, the right circle uh, mm-hmm. as a left shot. And uh, it, it's not that he has the hardest shot in the world. He's just He places it very well. And when he has the, the time and space to settle himself uh, before shooting the puck, he is deadly accurate. And yeah. that has uh, been destroying OHL goaltenders so far this season. And I, I think it's, it's play at five on five is is still more the Artukarki that we saw last year. At this point, uh, he he can be a little bit um, um, passive with the puck. Uh, he he can show a bit of a lack of pace in possession, which uh, still has has to grow a little bit. But yeah. the raw creativity and the raw skill that he has are unmatched on that Sioux Greyhounds team, and it's a pretty pretty solid Sue Greyhounds team like they're, they're playing very very good hockey and mm-hmm. uh and he does stand out as their most skilled player by a decent margin in my eyes and uh yeah so he, he's been very very good but uh his especially his, his play in tight quarters his play under pressure his uh his overall like dominance factor at the mm-hmm. OHL level uh, are still in question which uh, might not be what you take out from the score sheet of, of him scoring a, a goal a game, basically, as a defenseman. But uh, yeah. he's been very solid, and uh, this is a player that I believed in quite a bit last season as a draft eligible. I liked him more than other offensive defensemen, like Lucas Dragasevich, for instance, and mm-hmm. he's showing me why right now. And uh, there's definitely still a lot of growing to do there, and he'll need a couple years, but the foundation of skill and creativity is really exciting there. Uh- Absolutely. And uh, we'll get a bit more into these uh, this batch of OHL defensemen um, that's performing in the OHL right now um, right, after these, uh, right after these messages. But first, we'll talk a bit about game time on this episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. If you're looking to buy tickets at the last minute for a show, for a sporting event, for a game, um, anything you need that requires tickets, Game Time has you covered. They're a personal favorite of mine. Uh, my schedule's very flexible and volatile. Sometimes I'll have an afternoon free out of nowhere where I'm meant to be working. Um, and it takes a couple minutes to find a ticket through Game Time. And the deals are really good. They've got uh, zone deals, for example, where you pick the, the the section and Game Time picks the seat. That gets you an average of about 18% of savings uh, on those tickets. They've got exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, hockey, obviously, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, basically anything that requires a ticket. Like I said, they have you covered. They're the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view of your seat before you buy it. All in prices show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal without any hidden fees. And uh, you can buy tickets in two seconds with two tabs. It's very, very easy. Um, and as well, uh, they've got a game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what Game Time's offering you, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. You download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code Locked On NHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
All right, so to end things off, we'll talk about a couple OHL defensemen that have been performing quite well. I mean, we obviously talked about R2 Karki. Uh, he's a bit of a standout. Usually OHL defensemen that come over from overseas take a bit of a while to get adapted, but he's he's seemed into that uh, power play seamlessly. It's been very, very impressive to watch him go about it. But I do want to talk about a defenseman who is at two points per game right now um, who really surprised me with this. I, I like Hunter Stavitz. But I was very impressed to see him that high on the score sheet this early. He's leading the OHL in points right now, uh, points per game. Yep. So that's that's ridiculous, if you ask me. It is, yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he's a he, he was picked by the um, by the uh, uh, by the Vancouver Canucks. A fantastic pickup where they picked him up. I mean, honestly, I as much as I wasn't a total believer in Hunter Bestavitz. I don't think he should have been picked up in the third round. He's picked 75th yeah. overall um, by the Canucks. And what a great pickup this was. I mean, he's got, he's a great puck mover. He's very deceptive on the puck. He, he blends manipulation and deception into every move he does, every pass he makes, even his shots. Um, my main concern with Perseverus was that he was a bit too passive, right? Like he's a very, very passive defensive player. And at times he just completely erased himself from the conversation. Um, I've yeah. seen improvements on that side as well, but the passiveness could also manifest manifest itself offensively. Where, you know, yeah. you wouldn't rush to corners when you had an opportunity to win a puck battle just by sheer will or that kind of stuff. The thing that I like to see about seeing Perek, I didn't see as much out of Bristavitz, um, but he's gotten better at that as well. I mean, he's clearing the net front, he's chasing pucks in corners. He's, you know, there's so much to love about what Bristavitz is doing so far. But what's your take on him so far this year? I, I liked him a lot. Uh, going back to his D minus one season, I was a pretty big fan of his uh, when he was with the NTDP and yeah. last season in the OHL. I mean, no one on Kitchener looked overly great last year. And yeah. uh, I, I definitely think that played a role in <clears throat> in his draft stock and his, in his performances. Uh, I, I think like, like the passiveness was definitely something that I also noticed last season, uh, yeah. especially also in terms of his on puck habits in the offensive zone. He'd, always kind of default to his passing skill being his only offensive weapon where yeah. uh, because he is quite deceptive on his feet and he has a low center of gravity he's quite adaptable under pressure he has a decently hard shot like there are so many tools there that he, he, he he's able to weaponize to create yeah. offensive opportunities whereas last season he was really really just sticking to the blue line he was almost staple to it at times and he was really only using his passing ability to create and we had some beautiful plays out of that where he'd find a, a lone attacker through multiple defensive layers right by the net front when he's at the blue line. And it's a wonderful pass. But if that's his only method of getting pucks into dangerous areas, there's a bit of an issue there. And this season, it's been completely different. He's been trying things. He's been experimenting. It's it's almost as if uh, the, the message from the coaching staff has switched from you have to play this way in this structure to just like, play your Have game fun. and yeah and he's playing his game he's having fun he's creating he's trying things he's making mistakes and he's learning from them because he's a smart player and and last season it always felt like the coaching staff was trying to minimize his mistakes and by doing so minimize his learning opportunities as well which kind of stagnated him throughout the year as well so uh, it's yeah. been a great start for bruce davis and uh if these first 10 games are any indication uh the the redrafts are going to look a bit different on his on his front for sure. 
for sure uh absolutely and uh, i also want to talk a bit about uh, andrew gibson uh who is a um i believe a first rounder from the detroit red Wings. second second rounder. second yeah. yeah i mean he he's interesting um he's never been an offensive dino he's never been the type of guy who's going to put up major major points but i've been fairly impressed with his offensive play obviously his defensive play is just rock solid um, but his offensive play hasn't been too bad. I mean, especially to start off the year. Um, he's got nine points in 11 games so far. He's cooled down a tiny bit. I think he has only an assist in his last five. But yeah. started off the year really hot um, offensively. Um, you've watched a lot more of him, though. So talk me through kind of what you've seen from him so far. Yeah, I mean, Gibson was was definitely picked higher than I would have picked him at the NHL, at the NHL draft by the Detroit Red, Red Wings. And there was a pick that confused me a little bit. Yeah. But uh, he's been he's been strong to start the season, uh, not to the level that I think that his uh, upside a- extends beyond a bottom pairing role. I still think that that's the 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 comfort zone in terms of his projection and also his style of play. He's very physical, as you said. Uh, he he plays a solid in zone defensive game. He closes his gaps with aggression and violence. Uh, he inserts he asserts himself physically as a whole in the game and. Uh, offensively, he get, doesn't really get many power play minutes, and uh, I think that makes his production more impressive, considering it's primarily at five on five. And uh, he's been using his shot as a bigger offensive weapon, trying to create rebounds, trying to create chaos. He's activating a lot more frequently in the offensive zone, trying to get to the net front, whether it's with the puck or without it. And uh, overall, I think that his, his skating and puck skills have taken a couple steps over the summer. They're still not great, but they're but they're definitely not weaknesses as they were last year. And uh, I I think he's progressed very nicely. And uh, him and Karki are definitely the, the two big defensemen uh, for Sue. Uh, they haven't been playing always together at five on five, but uh, they definitely have like the their assigned roles where Karki gets all the offensive zone draws and Gibson gets all the defensive zone zone draws. Uh but yeah, so they they, they complement each other quite well on different pairings uh because of those those specific roles. But I think that the fact that Gibson's been able to produce and also create chances offensively, uh perhaps not through playmaking, but rather through his physicality and grit. Uh, the fact that it's been able to do that despite the lack of power play opportunities has been really impressive. So it's been a good start to the season for the second round draft pick. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, that wraps things up for today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out locked on sports today they've got all your news and updates about what's going on in sports and make sure to tune in for tomorrow's episode as we do an ncaa focus this has been hattie kalakesh with sebastian high and we hope you tune in next time